Imagine if anyone were to say the words that Jesus says in our gospel today. For instance, me. If I were to get up here and to tell you, unless you hate your father and your mother, your brother and your sister, even your own life, you're not worthy to be my disciple. This is Luke's version of a similar thing in Matthew. And it's in a certain way, another way of saying the same thing. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me, or whoever loves his life more than he loves me, is not worthy to be my disciple. Any human being, if they said that to you, if you went home to your parents and and said, Father Connor said, I have to love him more than I love you, uh, they would probably say, sounds like the Newman Center is a dangerous and sinister cult, (laughs) right? That's not normal. It would, you're either a wicked person or you're a crazy person, if you say something like that, unless you happen to be God. If Jesus is really God, incarnate, then he has the right to say this. You have to love me more than you love absolutely everything else, even your own life. For another person or corporation or even a country to say you have to love me more than your family, you must die for me, uh, That's crazy. It's not right. Only God can demand that kind of fidelity, devotion, and love. C.S. Lewis wrote a book uh, in the 40s called Mere Christianity. It was actually a set of radio addresses, and it's kind of his whole synopsis. He was a convert from atheism to Christianity, and he wanted to write a book or a series of talks that was just mere Christianity, just the basics, not the ins and outs of what separates different denominations or groups of Christians from other ones, but what's just the basic stuff. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, it's a great read and, and good for understanding a lot of the modern objections to faith. But this is one of his central things, is that what happens a lot of times with people, even Christians within the church, is that they see Jesus sort of as a teacher and a guru, like another person, maybe a really um, smart or holy person, but not God incarnate. And he says, there's no middle ground. Jesus doesn't allow us uh, the option of saying, he's a pretty good guy, but I'm not going to do everything he tells me to do. Right? I'm just going to take what he says as kind of suggestions. He says, you can't do that because he claims divine authority. And if any human being that's not actually God said what he said, he'd either be a liar or a lunatic. So you end up with three options. He says, liar, lunatic, or Lord. There's no, he was a pretty good teacher. He taught us good moral things to do. No, he said, the heart of my message is me. I have come to save you. So follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, even die. And I'll give you rest, I'll give you life, I'll give you fountains of water to drink from for all eternity. He is the message. So he forces us to make this distinction. Are we going to follow him? Are we going to believe him? Because it's going to cost us something. This whole language of hate your father and your mother, love them more than me. He's not saying that those loves, your family, your country, the things you hold most dear are bad things. Like you should love your mother and your father. He's just saying part of what's wrong, the human dysfunction, the sin in the world is wrong priorities, right? Wrong hierarchies of value. In some way, our use of the word priorities is 
uh, belies the point because you can only really have one priority by definition. It comes prior to everything else. It's the first thing. To have multiple priorities is the problem. To say like, well, there's God and then there's work and then there's sports. No, no, you have one priority. One thing can come first in your heart. And what God is saying is that if anything takes first place, that's not me, it's idolatry. And that thing, which you think you want, which you think is your highest value, will actually consume, enslave, and destroy you. Paradoxically, in order to enjoy the loves of this world, in order to, to truly love your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, the whole human race, and all your possessions, and your, and your work, and your life, you must, in comparison to your love of God, it must look like hate. That's how different the love is. And then you can enjoy the things of the world and acknowledge them as passing and temporary because the one thing you hold above all else, if you were to lose the whole world, would be your relationship with Christ. To me, forgive me if you've heard me tell this story before, but it's one of my favorite examples of how we human beings mix up our priorities. My friend's niece had a really bad dream one night that her parents had died. And she woke up and was crying and ran to her parents' room. And sure enough, her parents were not dead. They were still there. And uh, in all the hullabaloo, she woke up her little sister who was like four or five years old. And her little sister comes into the room to hear what's going on. And she hears, my sister had this bad dream that mom and dad died and blah, blah, blah. And for the first time, she imagined what life would be like without parents. And after a moment of silence, she just said, we could have gum whenever we wanted. (laughs) Which to me is like the archetype or emblem of original sin. (laughs) It's that there's something in every human being that would rather have gum whenever we wanted than to have parents. That's bad priorities. And it's foolish because where are you going to get the gum, little girl? You don't have any money. That's the whole human condition, that we think we can have stuff without God who gives us everything, our Father who creates us and guides us and teaches us how to use those things so they don't enslave and destroy us. It's all a matter of priorities. What is the first thing in my heart? Because either Jesus is Lord or he's not. There's no middle ground. I remember when I was in college, uh, I was in discipleship with a focus missionary, and it got to be my sophomore year, and this, and this missionary, my friend, was challenging me to become a leader. I had been in his Bible study, and I was starting to uh, try to practice my faith more and um, go to Mass and confession and things like that. And he said, I think you're ready to step into leadership and to lead a Bible study yourself. And I said, whoa, 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 I don't know about that. But eventually I agreed, and he said, well, if you're going to do that, I just want to challenge you on something. Because I was 20 years old, not yet 21, but I wasn't obeying the legal drinking age. And uh, I thought that was just part of my life that I kind of compartmentalized. And I'm a good Catholic. I'm doing everything right over here. And I can let loose on the weekends or or whatever. I can be the exception to this rule. Everybody else is doing it anyway. And he said, you know, if you're going to be in leadership, you need to set an example. This is a just law. You're breaking the law. It sets a bad example. The whole culture here in college is all just kind of binge drinking and bad behavior. If you're going to be a a Christian leader, Catholic leader, you you need to change. And I hated it when he told me that. I thought, it's none of your business, right? But at the same time, I thought, I later later prayed about it. And it's like, he's right. Who am I to make the rules in my life? If, If the Lord says so, then just do it. 
But here's the thing, and I did. I stopped drinking until I was 21, and it was not that big a deal, but it was just one little part of my life where I could submit, say, I'm not in charge, that there's something more important than just doing whatever I want. Jesus is not giving me suggestions. He's either Lord or he's not. Because the paradox of it is that something is going to be Lord of our life. We're going to carry some burden, some cross. We're going to have some devotion. And there's only one Lord whose cross, whose burden is light, who promises rest for our souls to give us peace. In other words, there's only one other Lord or King in our life who carries our cross with us. And if we're willing to do that, to renounce everything else, he says what at the end? Anyone who, can, who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. That doesn't mean you have to, some people do, have to give away absolutely everything and own nothing in this world. You can own things, but don't let them own you. To renounce everything and follow Jesus and accept whatever he gives you. St. Therese has one of my favorite quotes of all time. This is an example of someone who is a saint, who's living the unitive way, who wants exactly what God wants, who has submitted her whole life to his authority. She says, God gives me whatever I want because whatever God gives me, that's what I want. 